Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, April 11th, 2021, we continue our series titled Uncommon Joy, the Book of Philippians. Today's sermon, Be Like Jesus, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Enjoy. Last time we were together, we were in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And the three encouragements we left with was pursue unity, be humble, and serve others. Just three really massive things to try to accomplish. And in order to do that, we summarized it in one question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? In hopes that that question would guide us into being like Jesus. It's the same topic this morning. Really, that could be the same topic every time we gather, is how do we better follow and be like Jesus? We gave away these wristbands a few weeks ago. How many of you have took a wristband and have been wearing those for the last few weeks? That's been an incredible reminder to me, an incredible encouragement to me, uh, and a great reminder and encouragement for some of my friends. I was talking to friends over the last couple of weeks, just collecting stories of how God has used a little wristband in their life. One of my friends said, for me, it's been a constant reminder that I'm an ambassador for Christ, just wearing this bracelet. I ask myself, am I representing Jesus well to the waiter at the restaurant? When I walk around a store, do I look like I'm approachable, friendly, and have joy? When I'm running late and stress is high, do I get short with my family? These are all great checks and great questions that come from a little bracelet. Another friend said, as we try to become better stewards of the time God gives us and the money he provides, it helps remind me to consider two things. One, limiting time wasted on my cell phone. Anyone resonate with that? Uh, And two, when I consider purchasing things, the question is, is this really a need? I heard even more stories this morning. Some of my friends went out dancing at Buffalo Chip last night. Uh, And as they got their wristband to get in, uh, the guy at the stand there noticed her what would Jesus do bracelet and was like, what's that? And she's like, oh, it's just a question is, what would Jesus do? And he's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I'm, I'm kind of exploring faith and, and trying to follow Jesus and get plugged into church and stuff. And she just said, well, do you want it? And she just took it off and gave it to him. And now this guy who works at the chip is wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet, and it's helping him follow Jesus better. That was the question we ended with last time. What would Jesus do? The question we're going to answer this morning is, what did Jesus do? Because the question itself, what would Jesus do, it's really not all that of a mystery. We don't got to rack our brain to figure it out. We have the word of God to look and see. We have the teachings of Jesus. We have the example of Jesus. So this morning, that's what we were going to look at. We're going to look at what Jesus did. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 say this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an amazing text. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask for his help, and then we'll see what he has for us this morning. God, though it's my voice that's been heard, we recognize it's your word that's been spoken, and this morning we trust your word as the authority for our life. 
God, more than just your word, we trust you. So God, whatever baggage we bring in with our life this morning, whatever path we've been trying to take that the world has told us to take, God, would we abandon that and this morning follow the way of Jesus Christ? God, open our minds that we would know you, our eyes that we would see you, our ears to hear you more clearly, our hearts to respond in love, and our mouths that we would speak of you every day of our life this week. God, would everything we do this morning be done for your glory and your glory alone? And all God's people said, Amen. Two main points in your outline this morning. The first is the example of Jesus, and the second is the exaltation of Jesus. Uh, you could rephrase those if you wanted to, and we could rephrase them to being like Jesus and bragging on Jesus, because that's what we're going to do this morning. Look at his example and then see how we exalt him through the reading of his word and then also through our life. Verses 5 through 11 contain a lot of what we'd call doctrine. It's theology heavy, uh, and I know that can be scary. Um, Let me tell you, good doctrine is good for you. Good doctrine is good for you. Good doctrine leads to devotion, which leads to doxology. What that means is when we understand who God is, we can follow God better and worship him rightly for who he is. That's our goal this morning as we dive into some good doctrine. Don't be afraid of it. It is good for you. The first thing we come to in our text is the example of Jesus in verses 5 through 8. The example of... Jesus. Now, Jesus is always more than just an example to us. He's more than that. He's more than a model. He's the Messiah. He is always more than an example. But get this, he is never less than an example. There's always something to be learned through the way that he lived. Something we ought to model our life after. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. That's what we're trying to do. We are trying to follow Jesus. And one of the best ways to follow Jesus is to do what Jesus would do and do what Jesus did. Verse 5 opens with this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Your translation might say, or which was also in Christ Jesus. Both translations are correct. This is the mind of Christ. And if you are in Christ, then the book of Colossians says, Christ is in you. So if this is the mind of Christ and you are a Christian, then Christ's mind can be your mind. You can think this way. You can feel this way. The mind he's talking about is what we see in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This, by the way, is the only command in our passage this morning. I'm a doer. I like to see what God tells me to do so I can just go do it. This is the one thing. Just have the mind of Christ. Okay. Right? Just, just think just like Jesus would think. Well, how does he think? Verses 3 and 4 tell us, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now he's going to go on in 5 through 8 and show us the example of this mind. Show us how Christ did this. Verse 6 says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Who here is speaking of Jesus? He's speaking of Jesus as he paints this picture of an example. Now, it's certainly helpful to explain things to people sometimes, but an example oftentimes is far better. I learned by doing. I learned by following an example more than just someone telling me how to do it. We were in the backyard uh, over Easter weekend. I was teaching my boys how to hit a flop shot. And for those of you who are like a floppy, what? It's a golf thing. Don't worry about it. 
Um, but it's Master's Week, so these kids need to learn to follow Jesus and hit a flop shot. Like, that's the two main things I need my boys to do. So I'm explaining it to them. You open the face, you open your stance, you swing through the club, use the bounce. It goes, you know what I'm talking about, right? So I'm explaining it, and they're shanking everything into the house close to the windows. Nothing is going the way that I planned it to. So I said, let me show you. So I exampled it. Quite flawlessly, I might add. And they understood it. They saw it. They saw the example. Now, they might not have it totally figured out and they not be like 100% executing flop shots now, but they've seen how it's supposed to work. This is what Christ has done for us. God has said, had do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And then he gives us the picture of Christ, how Christ did that. So he explains it, but then he examples it. And while we might not perfectly execute humility and selflessness and putting others first, we've seen how Christ can do it. Therefore, we can see how it can also be done in our life as well. Now he gets into some big theology. Big theology, talking about Christ, God, coming to earth and putting on flesh and all sorts of amazing, amazing things that God did for us. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Oftentimes from up here, we stop and do a little language lesson. And we talk about Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. And you might be like, why are y'all doing that? You're trying to be all cool and fancy and smart. It's not that. There's oftentimes a lot going on in the language behind the English than we see. For example, you've heard the word love in English, right? I can say, I love my wife and I love tacos. Hopefully, those are two very different types of love, but we just use the word love. In the Greek language, there's four different kinds of love but we just say love. Here in our text today, we're going to see the English word used three times. It's just going to say form, form, form. But it's going to be two different Greek words, and I'll tell you why that's important to us in a moment. The first form here, form of God, is the Greek word morphe. Now, we don't use the word morphe in our normal, uh, just everyday speak, but we say it in other words like metamorphosis. You think of the metamorphosis of a butterfly, right? Going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. A caterpillar enters the cocoon and comes out as a butterfly. Now, is it a different bug or does it just look different? The inside is still the same thing. This Greek word here, morphe, doesn't concern itself necessarily with the outside appearance, but it concerns itself with what's going on in the inside. Morphe here talks about character, essence, nature. It is who someone is. It is who it is. So this says, Jesus, though he was God, not just a form, not just a lookalike, not just a poser, not like some costume, though he was God, it says he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not count equality with God. He is God. This is what the Bible teaches. Jesus is God. He didn't become God. He wasn't created by God. He didn't someday uh, like work his way up there to be a God. He always has been and always will be God. Now this is incredibly important for us. If you look at John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus tells people this. He says, I told you that you would die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am who I say I am, you'll perish. We don't get to just choose who we think Jesus is. I suppose you have that option, but he is who we said he is. Jesus said, I am the way. That means he's not a way. He's either the way or he's nothing. He says, I am the truth. He either is or he isn't. He's not a truth. 
He is the life. He's not one way to live life. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. He's not a way to get to God. He is the way to the Father. We don't get other options. Jesus is God. This is the consistent teaching all over the scriptures. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 and verse 14. Um, Verse 14 clues us in. It says, the word became flesh. This is talking about Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the word. And again, the word here is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. It's Jesus. And the word, Jesus, was with God. And the word, Jesus, was God. Way before anything existed, Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus. And in Jesus was not anything made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, though Jesus was God, did not count equality with God. He was God, a thing to be grasped. Another way that we could read this verse would say something like this. Though Jesus was God, he did not count or consider his position as God as something to be used for his own selfish gain. Jesus, though he was God and equal with God the Father, did not count his position as something to be used for his own gain. Jesus, God the Son, the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything, the one with all power, all authority, all rule, all honor, all praise, all exaltation, did not use his power or his authority for his own selfish gain. May this be an example to all of us. The world is full of powerful people, both Christian and not, who abuse their influence and power for all sorts of selfish evils. You hear about sex scandals, about theft, uh, all sorts of things, both in Hollywood, but also in the house of God here in the church. God has not given you power, influence, authority, rule, or any of those things for your own personal glory, for your own personal gain. They're not for you to exploit, for you. How do I know that? Because Jesus had all of it and he used it for other people. Whatever power you have, whatever influence you have, whatever rule that you have, may each of us use that to glorify God and use it for the good of those God's placed in our life. Amen? Verse 7 says, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Emptied himself of what? Bible doesn't say, so we need to be careful. We got to be careful with it. A lot of people have gotten themselves uh, in pretty hot water studying this. Emptied himself of what? Well, what I know from the scriptures, Jesus didn't lose, leave, or let go of his divinity. He was God, always was God, always will be God. He didn't empty himself of his divinity. So what we could say here is um, maybe he released his prerogative or privilege of being God for a temporary time. In other words, he didn't follow his own will. He said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of one who sent me. He submitted himself to the Father. He didn't use his own power and the ability to do miracles and everything here on earth for his own benefit. He used it for the benefit of other people and for the building of God's kingdom. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Here's our English word form again. Again, this time, it's that Greek word morphe. It's the nature, the character, the essence. It is who something is. 
taking the form of a servant. In other words, he didn't like fake it. He didn't be like, all right, God the Father, I guess I'm going down there to serve these minions. I'm going to go serve your creatures. Doesn't sound fun, but someone's got to do it. No, he took the form. This is who he was. This was like his mission statement. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is who Jesus was. He became a servant. He was a servant. Verse 8 says, And being found in human form, there's our word again, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Now remember, the first two form words was the Greek word morphe. The form word here is the Greek word schema. Schema. Now morphe talks about the internal, just the essence of who someone is. Schema here is the outside. We are talking about the outside appearance of something. In other words, he was actually found in human form. He didn't just appear to be a man. He didn't just look like he took on flesh. Some people say Jesus actually could not, he did not become a man. He just appeared to be a man. Um, so much so that he, his feet never actually touched the ground. He kind of just floated along like some phantom ghost god thing. Um, but that's not what the scriptures say. They say he became flesh. He took on flesh. His schema, his form was man. Hebrews chapter 4 says that he became like us in every way, yet without sin. Why is that important to us? Because he was born with no sin, lived a perfect life, maintained no sin, so that he could be a perfect sacrifice for you and I, that spotless lamb without any blemish. That he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live to remain spotless. That he died the death that you and I deserve to die to pay for the penalty of our sins. That he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating death. That in Christ you and I may truly live. This is who he is. This is what he's done. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why is that important, even death on a cross? Roman law actually forbid Roman citizens from being crucified because this was the most painful, most shameful form of death there was. Yet Christ did this for us. So we have Jesus, who is God, humbling himself by taking on the form of man, becoming flesh. Humbling himself by submitting himself to the will of the Father, right? Not my will, but thy will be done. Submitting himself and humbling himself yet again to die for our sins. Not just any death, humbling himself even to the point of death on a cross. The highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Again, God doesn't just explain how we're meant to live. He examples it and shows it in the person of Jesus. Now, if Christ has gone from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows... What excuse do we have? Right? I mean, honestly. There's something so appealing about this. I was at a restaurant with some friends a couple weeks back, and the owner of the restaurant was out washing tables. Doesn't it kind of just warm up your heart to be like, that is so cool that you would do that? That's servant leadership, that's humility. This is the picture we see of Christ time and time again. He's the one who should have his feet washed, but who's doing the feet washing? Jesus is the one humbling himself and serving. 
It's such an amazing picture. And if he is the highest of highs who humbled himself to the lowest of lows, who became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, for you and for me, friends, what excuse do we have for not serving and loving the people around us? He is the example. He is the example. Be like Jesus. The second thing we see in our text is the exaltation of Jesus. The example of Jesus and then the exaltation of Jesus. We saw him take the cross, now he takes the crown. We saw him give his life away, but now to him more will be given. First he was lowered, now we see our Lord Jesus Christ lifted to the rightful position in which he belongs. Verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. He has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. We'll get to the name in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, the guys in the Old Testament. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. God exalted him once again to the highest position there is. Jesus Christ seated at the hand of the Father. Verse 10 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The name Jesus here, this isn't the name we get to yet. The name is is coming up just shortly. He says, every knee should bow. Now, we don't do this a whole lot, right? We don't bow down, really. Maybe in a football game, when someone gets hurt, you take a knee, but you're like, I hope that guy doesn't get up. Realistically, like, I hurt him and I want him to stay hurt. But you just do it to go through the motions. I take a knee and pretend you care, right? We do that. But here, uh, every knee should bow. And this isn't bow like in in Eastern countries, right, where you kind of bow um, just in, in humility and in honor of the people around you. This is like kneel both knees down, like humble posture of a servant. It's an incredibly submissive position. It's an incredibly vulnerable position. It's the position God says someday everyone will take this position. Everyone will. Even if they don't want to. Someday every knee will bow to Jesus. I tell my kids to clean their room. Um, And I expect that room to be cleaned whether they like it or not. Whether they want to clean their room or don't want to clean the room is irrelevant. They're clean in their room. Whether you want to bow to Jesus or whether you don't, it's irrelevant. He is the Lord. Every knee will bow. Every knee. He says every knee in heaven, the angels and and saints who are with him through all the ages, they bow down to Jesus and every knee and on earth, those living now, each and every one of us will bow to Jesus. He says, and under the earth. It's a metaphor for hell. Even those who have passed apart from Christ, they too recognize Christ as the Lord. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Verse 11, the last verse for this morning says, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, here's the name, is Lord. Lord. 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This word confess here, by the way, just means to agree with. Every knee will bow, every tongue will agree that Christ is Lord. See, my profession and my confession of Christ being the Lord, I don't make him the Lord by me calling him Lord. I don't make him the Lord of my life. He is the Lord of my life. The question is, am I a good follower of the Lord or am I not? If I call the Queen of England the Queen, I don't make her the Queen because I called her the Queen. I only agree. Yeah, the Queen's the Queen. It's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. The question is, are we submitting to him or are we not? Are we living under his rule? Are we living under his reign? Are we living under his authority? And, my, and, and quite honestly, even as Christians, each of us can be like, kind of. But there's that one thing, I don't want to give that over to God because I like that thing. I wouldn't do that sinful thing if it wasn't so much fun. But I like it. I don't want to give him that. I don't want to follow him in that. I'll follow him in this area of my life, but this area, that's mine. He's not the Lord there. Here's the thing, though. He is. He is. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Here's the deal. But for many of us, it will be too late. The day that you realize that Jesus is who Jesus said he was, that he is the Lord who came and lived a perfect life we couldn't live, who died a death that you and I deserve to die, who defeated death so that you and I in Christ could truly live, the day that you meet him, it will be too late. Yet still, your knee will bow and your tongue will confess. Don't wait. Don't wait for that day. Today is the day. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it is with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I love the last line. It says, Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it says, To the glory of God the Father, even as he receives all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, all the exaltation, everything we have to give him. What does he do with it? Gives it to glorify God the Father. Yet again, a perfect example of humility in Christ. The kingdom of God is a topsy-turvy, countercultural, kind of wacky kingdom. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down, the way down is up. Matthew 23, verse 12 says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Bible says pride comes before a fall. You think you're a lot? You think you're God's gift to the world? Yourself exalts yourself? It says that those people will be humbled, but the promise is whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The way to greatness is not through trying to be great in this world. The way to greatness is serving those around you in this world, and that's what makes your life great. This is what God the Father did with God the Son, Jesus. Jesus humbled himself and humbled himself, and humbled himself. And as a result, what did God do? He exalted him to the highest of highs. Jesus is God. He took on flesh, he became a servant, he died a criminal's death. All of it was done willingly. Why? Humility. I'm going to invite the band back out. We're going to close just in a moment here with another worship song. Uh, C.S. Lewis shared that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Jesus, again, models this perfectly. Jesus knew who he was. He 
didn't think less of himself, but he thought of himself less and put others first, considered the needs of others first. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 said this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That is the instruction. That is the explanation. And we have the example of how to do it in Christ. Friends, may we daily die to self. May we daily humble ourselves. May we, may we daily go before the Lord and recognize, confess, agree that He is the God of everything. There's one question I kept asking myself over the last couple weeks. Just why? Why? Such great heights to such great depths. Why? I think the first reason is because that heights to depths reveals the depths of love that Christ has for us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, Jesus did it for you. It reveals his depths of love for us, but then secondly, it shows the depths of our sin that's separating from him. Jesus went to such great heights because our sin is so great, but Christ is greater. If we confess him as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. He paid the price for your sins. Would you confess him as Lord this morning? I want to close by doing something a little different. Um, Sometimes in my own quiet time and even sometimes here in the office as we pray, um, we'll, we'll bow down because it says someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So as we close our service today in prayer, I'd invite you to take the same posture that I'm taking now. Um, if you're physically able, I'd invite you to kneel. Um, if you're not, no stress. I'd encourage you to just raise your hands and, and maybe submission to Jesus. Um, or maybe your outfit doesn't make this okay for you today. Um, maybe try something else for next weekend. Um, but that's okay too. You can just sit with your hands raised as well. I just want to pray. Um, maybe this morning you haven't confessed that Jesus is your Lord. Maybe you haven't made that decision. Maybe you haven't believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Let, let today be the day. Let's not wait to bow our knee. Let's not wait to confess him as Lord. Let this morning be the morning that your life is transformed forever. Jesus, we come before you so humbly. God, we even recognize just who you are and who we're even speaking to. God, we come to you so often, just so nonchalantly, and, and we, we just send prayers your way. And I know you're, you're okay with it because you're a father. In the same way, I want my kids to just tell me what's on their mind. You want us to just tell you what's on your mind. But God, at the same time, we, we just want to come before you with reverence and awe of who you are. God, this morning I submit myself to you. I make a really bad Lord. God, but you've got to figure it out. God, I confess the areas of my life that are holding my back from, from, from following you the way that I meant to. God, there's so many times throughout my week, throughout my day, um, where I'm just not in step with you. 
God, I give those areas back to you this morning. I come to you, I confess, I repent. I ask you to be Lord again of my life, even though you already are. God, thank you for providing such an amazing example in your son, Jesus. But God, it's not just the example, God. We're so thankful for what your son did for us, that he came and lived that perfect life, to be a perfect sacrifice, to pay the price for our sins, that we can truly live life with you in perfect communion with you now and in perfect communion with you later. God, may we take that example and follow it the best we can. And God, while we may not execute that perfectly in this life now, may we execute it a little bit for the exaltation of Christ and Christ alone. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity even now to respond once more in musical worship. God, you deserve all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We don't want it. Take it. It's yours. Pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. We're going to close. We're going to sing one more song. Um, You can stay on your knees. If your knees are toast, like mine are already feeling, um, then you can stand. Uh, Whatever posture you want to take now, I'd encourage you to take that as we close in a time of worship. Man. Maybe today is the first day of your life that you've bowed your knee to Jesus and confessed and believed that he is the Lord. We, we want to connect with you. We want to help you follow Jesus. Um, maybe this morning you prayed during our prayer time and just placed your faith, placed your trust, and choose, uh, chose to believe Jesus. Uh, this is your family now. And we're not the best. I'll be honest with you. We're not. We don't have it all figured out. We mess up daily, but we find our hope, we find our trust, we find everything in Christ and Christ alone. We're not executing perfectly, but we're looking to that example of Jesus and trying to exalt him in everything we say and everything that we do. So if this morning you placed your faith in Jesus for the first time, maybe you're still considering it. We would love to just talk with you. You can come down. Um, I'd love to talk with you after service. You can find a pastor or someone with a lanyard and say, hey, I want to explore this Jesus thing a bit more. You can head out to Info Central and connect there. We just want to help you take your next step and grow in your newfound faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. Highlands Church, we serve an amazing God, don't we? Amen. This week, may each of us follow that example. May we follow in the footsteps the example that Christ has set for us and may we exalt him in everything we say and everything we do. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday.